0: We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ancrum, Cole, El Elmecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Eight Black Hands podcast. I am so so happy to be here with the fellas but we got a special guests here today but guess what Sharif produced this episode and I did yes yeah, Sharif. Well, I use the yeah, term say, no, don't use it loosely.
2: Don't say you're using it loosely. Bro, reef do do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yo, Reef ain't yo
0: hey keep it hey, keep it a hundo. You got guess on you got guests on the
2: reef ain't do shit. Right. Produced, <laughs> stupid <laughs> executive produced.
1: Yeah, yeah, I get an executive produced, John. Well, like I said, it's it's very loosely a uh, uh, very loose uh <laughs> it's all good though, definition. <laughs> but reef is gonna Reefa's gonna take it from here though. So, show us how you produce, brother, and host. Well, a lot, a lot,
2: a lot of the production for people who don't know is like really behind the scenes, so it's be mm. really hard for me to start off showing it. Mm. But what, you know, what I am elated to to say is that you know we have two uh, brothers joining us uh, as we continue our Black History Month, and as we said before, every month is Black History Month. February we're just the blackest, and we wanted to continue the conversation about Black educators. In particular, and so we have Dr. Robert Simmons III, and we have Ramon De Jesus on with us live. So we're grateful that y'all are able to get on. Thank you, oh, thank you for having us. So wait,
0: bro, you ain't got no bio,
2: nothing. Like, what do you? What is you well, produce? All, you you yeah. produce this show. Yes. You know how and I know before, you produce this show you, before you jumped on. <laughs> yeah. they, the brothers know that they're going to give a little. Uh, 40-second intro themselves before you interrupt them. Save your interruptions for middle of the show.
1: <laughs> oh, we we'll do that, Chris. Chris right. is here. You oh, doing? I'm,
3: uh, I'm good. I'm listening to y'all. Uh, yes, hey. another light-skinned brother. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. we holding it down for the debarge hey, end hey, of hey. the family, bro.
4: <laughs> you know? This is, this,
3: is, this is real. It's real. I like it. Ooh, I like it. Um. Anyways, uh, Ray, you're going to be suspended before the end of the show, bro. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I know people think that this is your podcast, but you cannot suspend people. <laughs> I just want you to know bro, that. You're going like, to be in timeout like the Blair Witch Project at the end
1: y'all are hilarious uh, All right, on. With let's, the show. <laughs> yeah let's start off with we, we gotta help Reef host we, that's got, right. we, we gotta go nicer that's so right. go you ahead. know we don't want to do ahead. too much chaos for you Reef go ahead brother go ahead. you're so
2: kind listen uh, Dr. Simmons why don't you just share what you're doing a little bit about your background and then we'll toss it over to uh, brother De
5: Jesus. Got it, thanks, uh, Sharif. So it's good to be here. Um, I'm Robert Simmons, uh, Executive Director of the Black Educators Initiative at Urban Teachers. Uh, Previously uh, worked in uh, both the charter sector um, in uh, DC as a charter school leader, um, and then uh, worked uh, for the Campaign for Black Male Achievement, but also was the Chief of Innovation and Research for the schools in Washington, DC under the leadership of Kaya Henderson. Uh, where we launched the uh, Empowering Males of Color uh, initiative um, and uh, spent a lot of time as a classroom teacher, um, originally from uh, uh, Detroit, as I said. Um, And so just excited to uh, be here to share uh, some of the work that uh, we're doing uh, at Urban Teachers with the Black Educators Initiative to talk a little bit more uh, about it uh but also just join the uh larger uh conversation uh that uh is gonna happen on the
4: uh podcast so thanks for uh having me absolutely Ramon. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you for having me, uh, on the podcast. Uh, as I mentioned, representative for the light skinned folk, um, you Hold know, it down, bro, Hold, it holding down. It all the way down. Right. That's and right. It's internationally too. a right. uh, resident, uh, That's Dominican, uh, on this podcast, uh, not responsible for the colonialism that exists there. Um, but you know, uh, my role, um, I'm the director of diversity development for the Cambridge Public Schools uh, just outside of Boston. My uh, role focuses on the recruitment and retention of teachers of color. I've been there now going on my third year, uh, of course, a predominantly white school district in terms of the teaching staff, but through um, s- significant changes in the way in which we interview applicants, the way in which we um, Describe the roles and the way in which we interrupt bias in our processes Have been able to move the needle um, and you know uphold the dignity of our students by better reflecting um, Better reflecting them in the staff that serves them. So I've been uh, Doing talent work with nonprofits mainly and then recently transitioned into this role as I mentioned about three years ago Uh, but my original love uh, and my original career was in the college access and persistence space, uh, serving first generation, low-income students, much like myself, um, often from the Bronx or from uh, the greater Boston area, uh, get into college and uh, graduate on time.
1: That's what's up. That's what's up. All right, Yeah.
2: So, Robert, can you just talk about, so this Black Educator Initiative, like I, I read and we spoke when you were in Philly last, you're trying to find 1,000 black teachers. Right. And then when you're done talking about, you know, just take a, a minute just to explain, like, you know, how that came about, what you're doing, and then I'm going to ask Ramon to pitch in and, tell, and explain why that's going to be extremely difficult for you to get them hired. Like, what's going on behind the scenes? Where yeah. Who are the gatekeepers for some of that kind of stuff to happen? right but a thousand black teachers like like that's that's yeah. that's dope yeah we want so, them all in philly forget those other uh, cities uh, 1000 uh, black educators in philly high quality we want them like we want them like not brainwashed we want them you know for the people. Are you going to let them
1: answer the question, good brother. No, first let me do my
2: advertisement for for Philly, you know what I mean? And if you only want to send them into West Philly, that's fine too. It's a bunch of schools there.
5: <laughs> um, so uh, thanks for that question. That's a good question. Um, I am uh, have been in the role for three weeks, uh, hey. so I'm still kind of figuring out. Well, I hope out. you got it
2: all solved, bro. Three
5: weeks? Um, um, yeah. It so was the, the answer was sway. Good. I know, exactly. So, um, so the um, Urban Teachers is a teacher development um, organization, um, and the Black Educators Initiative is built around the uh, 14-month cohort model that we have. It's a clinical residency. Um, Over the course of the last 10 years, mm, I would say close to 45 to no more than 68% of the participants have been Um, people of color. Um, So the organization um, has had success uh, recruiting um, uh, teachers of color into D.C., Dallas, and uh, Baltimore. Uh, Those are the three uh, cities that we currently operate in. Uh, The Black Educators Initiative is funded by a $25 million grant uh, that came from the Balmer Group, um, and it is about 80, 80% of the funding uh, goes to uh, participants through a reverse uh, scholarship model, which is designed to ensure that uh, the uh, black educators uh, can be supported so that they can survive, uh, they can thrive in the program and that they can uh, survive, uh, survive uh, schools and classrooms and thrive in these spaces. Um, I think that um, part of the goal is to accelerate Um, the diversification of the teaching force, um, but also have as a a multiplier effect and uh, leverage the scholarship money, which we know in the research is one of the key barriers in a lot of uh, residency uh, programs. So uh, that's where it evolved uh, from is through the um, gift from the Balmer Group of $25 uh, million, um, that's designed to support uh, participants uh, in uh, the program. Now, the $25 wanna- million just for these 1,000 Black educators? Just for uh, the 1,000 uh, Black educators. Um, and I think that going into, I guess, Monday would be week four. Um, I think that uh, there's also part of it is around uh, supporting the alumni um, mm-hmm. through urban teachers because they also will have a multiplier effect um, in schools, um, and we uh, work in uh, both public and in uh, charter schools um, and district schools, um, and so we're very intentional about supporting um, uh, educators um, in our urban uh, communities. And I think that uh, Mr. If I may have mentioned this at Philly, but for me. Um, having been a uh, teacher um, and now seeing my nine year old son have his first black teacher last year when he was in second grade and he came home one day and he literally said to me, um, he was working on something and it was, uh, I don't know, it was a a book I had never seen before, but uh, anyway, and he, he says, daddy, uh, my teacher told me I needed to read this uh, book and write my book report about it because the character looks like me um, and I need to see characters in books at school because I see characters in books at home of kids who look like uh, me. And it was just fascinating to see him talk about now in third grade where he'll say, I love reading about and seeing mm-hmm. people in my culture and in my community um, that uh, are reflective of, of, of my experience. Uh, and so I think that for me, it's been reinforced by seeing that uh, work that his uh, teacher, Ms. Chup, shout out to Ms. Chup, um, she retired and moved to Dallas. And um, I thought my son was saddest when I would travel and leave, but he was actually sadder when Miss Chup retired. Like I picked him up from school and he literally <laughs> was like, daddy, I gotta go see Miss Chup. And he just fell into her arms on the last day that she was there. So that for me reinforced why um I believe in uh the work uh, that we're doing um and I think it's it's certainly a challenge because you're talking um a thousand uh black teachers um, but don't don't
2: talk about the challenges let's just celebrate that for a minute so you got twenty five million dollars to mm-hmm. to recruit support black educators um and a lot of people a lot of these districts talk about Recruitment, 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 and and not realize, you know, trying to get these people through the front door and not realizing right. that the back door is wide open and people are right. running out. Right. And yeah. so, this idea yeah. of supporting the retention, I think is. Uh, and I think,
5: yeah, and I think the retention piece is something I've really been digging into and thinking about uh, what role um, elders um, in education can play, because I think that we've forgotten about them oftentimes. Um, and I've said to several people that, you know, when people talk about, the need to diversify the teaching force and how it's this new thing. I always say, folks, that's an ahistoric understanding of teaching, especially with black folks. And, and right after uh, Brown v. Board, one of the unintended consequences was 39,000 black teachers lost their jobs. Um, which which, in that context in the South meant they left the community, they left the uh, left the profession and things like that. So uh, part of it for me is that the work is about uh, liberation, but not just about education, but also about the community, um, that uh, the communities we do serve in Detroit, uh, D.C. Um, I showed my bias a little bit, being from Detroit, uh, D.C., Baltimore, <laughs> and Dallas, so. Yeah. All
0: right, real quick, real quick. There is a uh regional recruiter mid-Atlantic position open in urban teachers. <laughs> so uh Cambridge guy, uh Here. You know? <laughs> talk it up, bro. All right. So I'm just I'm just trying to plug
4: the plug. No, I I'll I, 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 right? I, I peep the role. It will it will get spread into the networks. Uh Dr. That's Simmons nice. will connect. I'll send folk your Not way. That. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: So before we all, because I, I had some thoughts and questions that I wanted to ask you, but I don't want to get super deep in the conversation uh, without both guests being able to, you know, say what they're doing and all that good stuff. So, Ramon, can you tell us a little bit more about the, you know, that 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 follow up question? I think that that Reef had lined up for you. Yeah,
4: man. So uh, certainly a, a beautiful and admirable goal, and, and there's so many different um, pieces that have us where we're at today right one of course uh, as i as i shared earlier earlier right this is america uh and 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 two right even when we think about um when we win right when our people win as we did presumably with brown versus board of education right we still lose right when all of those role models stepped out of the community right and you no longer have um those black educators uh as homeowners, as uh, teachers in schools, um, as role models and exemplars for future generations, um, you know, as corny as it sounds, you you, you can't be what you don't see. Uh, for, from my From my perspective and my vantage point, I think a lot of the work that we have to do um, is help folk understand that the recruitment of an educator of color, of a black educator. Um, begins long before that person is in college, begins long before that person is in high school. Uh, It begins the day a Black person steps foot into any one of our school buildings, right? Mm -hmm. Sharif and I have chopped this up a lot, um, you know, and he speaks often to asking someone to return to the scene of a crime. We know what happens to Black and brown boys uh, in all of our schools, public, private, charter and everything in between uh, and for a lot of our young people um, school is, is not a welcoming place right so how do we expect um, for someone to if they make it through high school right given um, often the lack of resources that our schools have um, and the isms that exist in our world if they make it through high school go on to college how do we uh, in good faith ask that individual to pursue a career in education. So once we get past that point, right, then we have to start thinking about, let's say you did have a good experience, right, as I did in your formative education. Then we have to start talking about um, what do those recruitment processes look like and how are school districts and school systems accounting for bias, right? And as many of y'all know right like even with the plug that we just put in earlier right Uh, when we start thinking about how folk get new roles we start thinking about networks right and a lot of these networks um, that exist in traditional school environments don't exist for us and don't exist on our behalf so the connect isn't there to begin with Uh, beyond that uh, when we look at how interviews are structured and interviews uh, are determined from the, from the questions to the makeup of the committee. Again, um, not really focusing on the lived experience of a person of color. Right. Um, and what that, what value that can bring into uh, the classroom. Uh, one of the first things that I did when I stepped into this role was take a look at our job descriptions and in mass, overhaul them to include more equitable and inclusive language um, and to include signals to people of color that um, that they were certainly welcome and that if they had questions about whether or not that they were they were welcome that they should still apply and that they should come check us out. Beyond that, uh, supporting and leading our administrators and our school leaders, in thinking through the biases that we all have, and interrupting them when they come up in their interview processes, alongside uh, you know more robust interview questions, um, and then to the, to the last piece, right? Once you're able to interrupt bias in your in your recruitment process, I think the big one that that I think we should really be digging into is the retention piece, right? Um, if your school building does not like black and brown children, you're not gonna like black and brown adults who have more agency, have presumably more resources, and can articulate what racism looks like and feels like on a daily basis. That's right? why y'all so, can't find nobody.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's it right there, that's the, that's the end of the show right there. You just said it right there. Cause you know, how are you gonna say like, if you don't like black children, you don't like black? Adults. There ain't no if. The United States of America, the United States of hatred. This is the United States of racist anti blackness, right? So that's real. I'm not gonna right? let you come
0: on the show and, and, and turn this into a Barney Bro moment. Oh, oh, wow. Wow. oh,
3: here we go. oh, oh my god, god. we're going now. The god's fired. <laughs> Uh, I'm coming. I'm coming for
5: you. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's real, Listen, though, right? Uh, yeah. I, I didn't black
3: mean to blow a, up your spot. I didn't yeah. mean to bl- blow it up. I, I do want to say, as I'm listening to y'all, I'm thinking through how difficult it is to come up with just a handful of, of candidates when really we need to fill whole schools and whole districts with people that mm-hmm. we don't have. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of things I didn't hear you all talk about, but I'm sure is... You know, part of the problem is you have very talented African-American, black folks and brown folks coming out of colleges with multiple offers on things. And if you're talented and high scoring and have done well in your college, the idea that you can make thirty seven thousand dollars a year to put up with all kinds of things you know, th- that are challenging. So, well, you know, I mean, listen, it, it, in a lot of places, there's going to be less, a lot of places, it's going to be a little bit more, but mm-hmm. the offers that you're getting from somewhere else, oftentimes are, are better than what you're getting. And, and then there's this problem with the jobs being highly feminized. You put people into work, uh, work environments that when they get in there, there's not a lot of them. There's like this alienation that many of them have yeah. and what they hear in the teachers lounge oftentimes makes them have to bite their tongue i think man well, i'm listen. just talk, I, i'm just talking so about I've been, lounge, I've, I've been in the teachers lounge bro i've been in the
0: teachers lounge i've been in the teachers lounge and yeah. you hear you hear what you want to hear so like if you don't want to be subjected to negative things
3: that are going on in the teachers lounge then you take your ass to your classroom and you plan for your kids so, I mean, but how does that solve the point, though, of the alienation when you're one black male in a, a building full of white females and everything you say you have to judge through the lens of am I being offensive? Am I being overbearing? Am I being uh, intimidating? All of that type of stuff that brothers have been told when they are in these jobs.
5: I think that's
1: good. though. I was, I was going to throw it to our guest on that. I was because I'm, I'm curious as
5: what your response is to what. Chris yeah. talking I about I mean to, to that point though, I think that one of the mistakes that um a lot of uh organizations make, um, school districts, networks of charters, whatever, is that especially with black male teachers, is that oftentimes they put them in buildings where they're by their themselves. Right. And we know that that's just a mistake. Right. But yet people continue to do it over and over and over again. And then they wonder why the brother leaves and goes to another school or worse yet, leaves the entire profession and goes to do uh, something else. So I think there are solutions to it. um, But you just can't put Folks, um, especially black teachers, when you're talking about you're bringing in a cohort, you can't break up a cohort of 50. And if you have 50 schools, put one in each school. Right. And and I think that's where you see a lot of folks are just frustrated and they're just like, nah, I'm good. I'm not going <laughs> to do that. Because what happens is, is then the black male teacher also has a line of kids and they say, well, if you can't act well with so and so I'm going to send you down the hallway to. Sharif's class because big black man. You're going to that big black, man. Yeah. That big and, black man, yeah. And That's so right. then, and then you become the disciplinarian, <laughs> and people may celebrate it. But then, if the test scores don't come back and say X, Y, and Z, then all of a sudden you're penalized. But yet you're helping solve all these other problems. So I think that you know it's uh, it's it's equally as important to figure out the clustering. But I also think that. As, as folks, and I've said this in my short time at Urban Teachers and even prior, that as folks do this work from a systemic standpoint, it's also important to not just coach the teachers, but to work with school leaders, right? Like yes. you can't say yes. as a school leader, oh, I want to have more black teachers in my school, but then you not really understand if you are a black male or a sister, whatever it is, and you show up and maybe this is the first black teacher you've ever had in your school. And I'm racist, never-
2: but I still want black teachers, that's
1: right? right. I'm I'm right. Dr. A- Dr. Sims, can I ask you a question? And, and, that's and- so here's the question that I got, though, right? Because we talk about this a lot in this podcast. You know, obviously Sharif does this work as well around getting black black educators, but what about for the folks that said, I ain't had nothing but black teachers and my school was still trash. I ain't had nothing, you know, that's that's all I've ever had, like, because the majority of my teachers were mm-hmm. actually black throughout the, the most of my life, and most of them still weren't really good, right? So what do we say to that? And, and uh, Ramon, I, I want to... Yeah, man, I, I, you. I think...
4: And my, again, my apologies on your name, brother. It's cool, bro. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, black people are not a monolith, right? Like, hmm. that... <laughs> That a school is trash is not dependent on an, an abundance of, uh, of black folk, right? So I think that if a school is trash, a school is trash, right? And if you have trash educators in the building, then that's what, that's what you have, right? So I think that that sounds more to me like a, a leadership issue than a staffing issue, right? Because, you know, all of this is about who you're putting on that bus, Right, and when I work with my principals, right, so we have eighteen uh, principals in our district, right. Uh, the conversation is always, "Look, don't hire someone because they're black. Don't hire someone because they're Dominican. Right, hire them because they have the skill set that we need for our children and the value add, right, of understanding the perspective of the babies that we serve, right. So, so when I hear, you know, yes, I've had terrible black educators. I've had mm-hmm. terrible mm-hmm. Latino educators, right? Mm-hmm. Someone hired those people and kept putting them in front of me throughout my education. And then the burden for my other educators became that much greater. Right. So, um, when we talk about this work in diversifying the teaching profession, right? A lot of folk, uh, start pushing back and saying, Oh, so we just going to start hiring people because they, they are black correct. or they're brown. it's like, no, no one ever said that. Right. Correct. Uh, however, Um, our babies do deserve, all of the babies, right? White kids too, uh, deserve the dignity of having a black or brown educator in front of them, ideally every year. But that's just my bias. Yeah,
5: and Charles, I also think that the other piece, I always say, whenever I have to talk about this with folks, I always say that your skin folk ain't always your kin folk, right? And so just because you're a black educator doesn't mean that you're going to have a level of cultural consciousness to connect with uh, black children, right? And I remember being in a school and the worst teacher to interact with black kids was the most senior black teacher, right? Part of it was her, uh, just her her perspective on the kids and like all sorts of other uh, complicated things I, I learned uh, years later. Um, but I think that the, the critical piece of it is making sure that on the end of folks who on, on the pipeline where we're training and working with, uh, potential teachers, especially for Black folks, that we hold them to the same standard, if not a higher standard, than we do for everybody else. And there was a sister. Robert, who, we already,
2: we already at a higher standard, bro. Come on, we gotta Work twice <laughs> as hard already. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I, I just think that it's difficult because I remember being a STEM teacher and um, going to uh, conferences or meetings. And, you know, depending on the subject area too, the number gets even smaller, right? And so it's also important for those uh, who are elders in the field, those who've been uh, teachers or educators on school boards to wrap their arms around those educators from the time they enter the pipeline to the time they show up um, in, in the classroom. Um, and I think that that's uh, important. Um, to uh, make sure that is happening, I know that um, you know there are insurance requirements um, for a lot of, uh, of programs, um, and I think that um, the uh, what excites me most about urban teachers is the residency model. And I remember going through a traditional teacher mm-hmm. prep program at my university, and my student teaching was. I don't know, like two days. I mean, I don't know. It was like whatever the number of weeks for a semester, um, and I literally showed up to my the middle school in my neighborhood in Detroit. Like, what just happened? Maybe I should go do something else, right? And and what I have found is that folks who go through a deep residency model. Uh, where they're having an opportunity to sit with someone who's a, uh, a a great classroom teacher uh, to be a coach and a mentor and get that coaching, you know, it has a, it it makes a world of uh, difference. And I, I, again, still believe that our, our, our babies deserve someone not just who is highly trained and highly qualified, but is also going to love them
4: and treat them with respect and uh, dignity. So. And also someone who's, you know, unpacked how their race, class, uh, socioeconomic status, how all that shows up in the classroom, right? Mm-hmm. So back to your point about not all skin folk are kin folk, right? If, if you can't answer how your race or culture shows up in that classroom, then you don't belong in front of the babies. So one of the shifts that we've made in, in our interview process is asking that of all of the teachers that uh, we interviewed, right? And mm-hmm. some people stumbled through that question and it's not so much about hitting that question right, but demonstrating yeah. that you've thought about that because even yeah. some of our own folk haven't had to, to think about that in certain ways in terms of how it shows up in front of the babies. And not just the teachers, right? Like school board members should be asked that same question, That's
2: superintendents, right. most asked. principals, most principal supervisors, right? Like a lot of times this attention around cultural context is always facing the students, and it should. That's super important. But those people who are supervising schools and boards, and if they're not also being held accountable for how they view what's their worldview about Black and brown communities and children, like that's that's no good either, right? And I think mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, you hear about, oh yeah, the, the school is doing PD, these teachers are doing PD, mm-hmm. and you don't see leadership in these districts right. doing that same um, PD. And I, not that I'm in those meetings, but when you see the things that that come about, when you see what happens at school board meetings, when you hear what district leaders say and do or allow, then you're like, you know, where what is their paradigm around? you know, these students that they're supposed to be serving.
3: But you know, the real- I want oh, to touch, touch on a third rail real quick, because it has to do with what y'all was just talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a large number of people who can't pass the entrance uh, induction test. And whatever, what are we doing here, man? What are we doing here? So, so, so uh, and, and many of those people are people of color. Right. It's so, the black rhetoric. so the, the <laughs> argument that we're having, the argument that we're having, you know, is um, are the tests biased and, and just keeping people down and keeping people out of the, the thing? Or are we dropping our lowering the bar because we want more teachers of color in the field? And, and uh, this is a very complex one for me. It's complicated because I think you should be able to pass any test that anybody else passes if you want to teach our kids. And I want to keep bringing this up because of New Orleans. When they brought all the teachers back to New Orleans after Katrina, they gave them a basic skills test, and a third of them couldn't pass it. Now these were people that days before Katrina, were teaching kids in regular classrooms every day, and I 'm sure that if you are a superintendent or a, a leader of a school district, you know you have a portion of your teaching force wherever you are, mm-hmm. that actually should be invited to, to be successful elsewhere, right? So at the front end, the, the, the induction part, like the high standards of just making the, the thing a bar across the top is controversial. And I wonder how y'all feel about that, because in our state, we really do look at taking away the test altogether
5: or getting hey, a bit app- of- and Chris, are you opposed to them taking the test away altogether? <laughs> Yes. It don't yes, matter. I
0: Minnesota am. ain't number two black teachers in Minnesota. I am. So don't
3: matter. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, um, um. See, y'all notice how I've mastered the art of just ignoring yeah, bad behavior. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've like, y'all have, have y'all noticed that <laughs> I like ignore it. bad behavior because <laughs> you don't reward bad behavior with attention. With attention. This it's is gratifying. gratifying is. This. Though, it's it's well gratifying. Sometimes. This hey, you know?
0: hey, but look, hey, and you always want to say, oh, I'm not a teacher. I That's mean, a Can y'all hear anything?
3: Can y'all hear anything? I I got time. I'll wait. I I get paid whether y'all learn or not. Oh, it's terrible, bro. Heard that before. Uh, You see, I like teachers I've had. before. I got mine. I got (laughs) got mine. I got got mine. mine. (laughs) You can't take it from me either. I got mine. You ain't got to get yours. Um, So, anyways, I mean, on a serious note, brothers, help me out with this question because removing Mm -hmm. a basic entry point because we want more teachers of color to me sounds like a nightmare of what we would get in terms of candidates. If we did
5: that. I haven't seen, I mean, at urban teachers, we're bound by, uh, Maryland, uh, DC and Texas. Right. And so what we have with the black educators initiative is fully realizing that the test may or may not change, but the reality of it is it's, it's there. And so what we do is provide coaching and support for folks, uh, uh, in our program who may or may not have passed uh, the the test, right? I think that the policy discussion as to whether um, it's legit or not is for folks to kind of deal with. But I think as an organization that's about teacher development and teacher practice, it is our job not just to prepare them to teach in the classroom, but to say, look, whether we agree or disagree with the praxis or whatever the exam is, we need you to be prepared for it and you you need to pass it. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna front load resources uh, in our budget to help you do that, whether it's like a writing coach or whatever. And that's what we do um, at, at Urban Teachers. Um, now it's, 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 a, it's debatable, how uh, predictive uh, the practices is and other scores are on how well you'll do as a teacher, right? The research It's not debatable though. What what does it say? You think even, so, yeah, I mean,
2: what does it say? It says the research out there says even if you score high on a practice, that does not necessarily translate to being an effective teacher. Well, research, cite your research. Because
0: you always come up, you always come up here talking shit about research and I'll never hear no you know, cites, never, seen my ABA, I mean? never <laughs> see nothing. Never see nothing. Why you so, aggressive on,
3: on S- Why y'all so aggressive on the East Coast? Why y'all
2: so aggressive on the East Coast?
0: Why
3: y'all so aggressive on the East Coast? It's cold on the East Coast, cold, cold, bro. It's cold, So we just, all ed- that trash Tom. on the street. No, <laughs> man. It's <this dude's laughs> So this dude it needs to knows? walk around with an annotated
0: bibliography because all, you like the Oscar
2: the Grouch of this podcast, bro. And at the end of the day, that you want to disprove,
3: you go ahead and disprove it. No, because you putting things out there that are not true. Wait a second now as you know in the context of having been in dc i mean how do you think of this question in terms of having been in dc and and having seen yeah. like change to the teaching core
5: there yeah i mean i think that um i i actually think that the test is helpful right but i'm also not convinced that it's going to be a good predictor of how well you're yes. going to do as a teacher right i think mm-hmm. there needs to be Uh, multiple measures of 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 your entrance into programs right like I I think that strictly using a test it's a it it captures what you know at that moment in time but doesn't necessarily translate and it's 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 like if and and what we do know in the research um, that's out there around um, black male teachers in the practice um, and this one, Ray, I got you on your citation. Tree, I got you. Back, <laughs> is if you look at the work of uh, Travis Bristol, Travis, oh Bristol, yeah, right. Oh, and yeah. so Travis has talked about and looked at the longitudinal data, which suggests that Black males who are interested in teaching struggle significantly uh, with the mathematics portion of of the test, right? And so now, again, this isn't um, universally true, but in DC, what that meant was many. Uh, black teachers who uh, didn't go through the district pipeline, Chris, to your point, uh, many teachers would go through what's called principal's choice, where the principal would be able to hire them based on a particular set of circumstances of what they needed in their school. But the teacher then had like, I don't know, a year or whatever it was to pass whatever test they needed. Um, to, uh, become licensed or certified in BC, but the other piece from a policy perspective, there needs to be greater reciprocity across the country because if you get a teaching license in Minnesota, Mm -hmm. that may not be, you may not be able to use it if Ray wanted Mm -hmm. to hire you in your school, um, Mm Ray may not be able to, to get you through the system, even if you already have a teaching license. I'm in not
0: hiring him. I wouldn't hire him. Even if he... <laughs> <laughs> well, right,
5: I'm just Dr. talking Simmons. about somebody from uh, Minnesota, right? Somebody from Minnesota. <laughs> not necessarily Chris. I'm going to let y'all figure that uh, out. And you I want to, to say it. The, the part that I was going to say about that,
1: because I, I really appreciate that question that Chris asked, because here's the thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. on, a, on a scale, we all agree that we need more black, black educators. And there was even submission of Brown versus Board. And we could have a deeper conversation around that because that's something that was probably the biggest blow to black education and to the black education actual force as a, as a career option. Uh, we can dive into that if we wanted to. But I think we hear a lot of people say this thing, right? Because we all kind of generally agree we need more black male teachers is really important. I do think the more fruitful conversation now that we have this kind of understanding and agreement is more of the nuances, more nuanced things that Chris was Oh, boy. Doing. Because, like, what? <laughs> here's my, but because here's the thing, though, right? Because, and that's the reason why I brought up the piece around, we there. there is pushback from other black folks that have had nothing but black teachers and they've been right. not good. There are folks that's, like, you know, I, I didn't go into teaching. I went into social work, to which my mother was very happy for me. But she was also like, "Yo, you're the first one in our family to go to college. Don't you want to make some money? Like, don't you want to do that?" Like, there are different conversations that can be having around this, and 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 so that's why I appreciate the question. And but that's but, where but, that pushback was coming but, but, from.
5: But, but, Dr. but Dr. Cole is, Cole is also it's also, is also uh, on geography, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the that's the other piece around teacher salaries is that. Um, it, 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 has to be done, discussed in context. Uh, Absolutely. what is the cost of living? Um, all of the, what is the salary scale? Is there a salary scale? Um, and I do think, yeah, like I, I know for a fact that, uh, Mr. Jackson was my fifth grade teacher. He was the wor- uh, yeah. Fifth grade teacher. He was the worst teacher I ever had. And obviously Mr. Jackson, he was a brother. Mm -hmm. And he was terrible, right? right? Mm -hmm. He was terrible. Mm -hmm. But my fourth grade teacher, Ms. Cope, was the reason why I became a teacher. So for me, having that one experience with Ms. Cope as a fourth grader led me to realize that Mr. Jackson, at least from what I saw, was an anomaly and not the norm because of where I grew up at in Detroit with a mother who uh, went to Spelman and like a lot, she was a librarian. So I was always around people Um, who were talking about education, but I do think that uh, it is a legitimate point uh, that you're raising around uh, schools. But I also think we have to talk about the system um, because then we get into a space where it becomes less blame uh, teachers. Um, And I I think that that, to your point, I think there are nuances and uh, uh, complexities uh, to that. Ooh, I feel so, like say we, we gotta name, name, name names though.
3: He named names. He named names. He said Mr. Jackson.
5: I don't know where I don't know. He's yeah, still yeah. teaching.
3: I don't know so, where Mr. Jackson is right so, now, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna add
5: one. one. Miss Grace.
3: Miss Grace, if you listen to this from the eighth grade, straight to hell. <laughs> straight to hell. <laughs> Don't stop and go. Oh <laughs> Don't get your two hundred dollars. Don't do a, damn a thing from All the black minds that you <laughs> ruined. Go straight Serene. to hell. Let's
5: to right, sorry. Sorry. It is
2: the piece that I would. I would I just, jump in, wait, I, I just want to interject this piece because we, we, you know, Cole, Doctor Cole, you always bring this up about you know the black teachers that you had. Yeah, and I get that. There's a lot I'm of just saying that, it for me. I'm not. No, I understand. No, you we, know, we, we all we all agree. agree. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that doesn't. I don't hear that conversation about like you know, like it, it feels like being black in America where you gotta you know carry everybody's water who's black, mm-hmm. right? Like black teachers. Wait, wait oh, 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 hold on. Wait, no. Let wait, me. No, no, ways, if, bro. If they're <laughs> ineffective, they're ineffective. No, because I'm not saying we need more black teachers because of the color of their skin. What I'm saying is that that people and, and I think Ramon couched this uh very well the same way I would have like you know if people have this you know this understanding this mindset around around children then it's going to be effective and I'm not saying that only black people bring that but what I'm saying is that that there are a lot of black people who do bring that and we need to listen I I I was an alternative <laughs> certification teacher Miss Yvonne Savior taught me how to teach. She taught me how to be a great teacher. She was, she's a black woman. She also was later by principal coach. She was a black woman, super highly effective. She was Pennsylvania teacher of the year. And that's the type of quality that they use to now become this coach for new teachers. Right and so because so I mean we're gonna say like, we don't need more black teachers because I had the
3: one bad right. so no, I, no, no. I had a bad, bad response. You. Well, you had a bad That's white one. too Can y'all can y'all hear yeah. the sound? Am I the no only one tripping? It sounds like George Clinton underwater boogie. <laughs> it, what is happening here? Yeah. Like like it sounds like Parliament, a Parliament album. What is going on? Can y'all so, so Cole jump in? I got to Echo. I echo.
1: Oh, I didn't hear it, but I'll check it here. Okay, I'll check it in post. But. Um, but I want to, I, one, you can't have it both ways, right? Like, and I, and I actually agree with you. I actually do work, like, with you around making sure we got more black educators. And I'm bringing up things that the community said to us as we were trying to get this stuff passed through in Oakland, right? Like, these were questions not white people weren't bringing up. These were black folks. Two, I'm not saying that, oh, this, like, like, there are no bad white teachers or this, that, and the third, and I'm not saying that I'm saying that this one black, this bad black teacher means that all of them are bad. But what we are selling, let's be very clear. And what the data does say is that kids benefit when there are more black and brown uh, educators in that room. So <laughs> if that's true. Make sure you cite that. Right, <laughs> It's in my book. It's cited. It's cited there. So like. But, but so I agree with you on that. But what I'm trying to do is have a, a different conversation that goes a little bit deeper that actually addresses some of those things that people on our side, people mm-hmm. that look like us, parents, that's not edgy wonks like like the six of us are. Right. Mm-hmm. And these are just some of the questions that we have. And I want to just present it so we could just answer it. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying like, oh, because I have some bad black teachers here and there or whatever that we should just. Dish this? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying let's go beyond the surface of saying we need more black teachers because I think that all of us kind of like agree with that point. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, I mean you 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 just it, you just cited it right? right. So so you spoke to exactly um, what the what the research says, right in terms in terms of. Um, the impact of having additional educators of color, particularly for Black and Brown children, right? And and one of the things that that I always whistle at in this part of this conversation, right, is when um, we start having this discussion of like lowering the bar for educators of color, right? Like that's that's not real life, like that that's not a, a real thing. No one is is out there lowering the bar. Uh, for for educators of color, nor do educators of color need the bar lowered for them, right? The the other piece is that you know, to I think Sharif was was about to say something to, to this extent, right? Is that no one in. Uh, in my administration, um, who I've worked with, has ever asked me for a qualified, candidate, a, a qualified slate of white teaching candidates, right? Um, but folk do ask for a qualified slate of black teaching candidates, right? And I think we need to understand um, how pervasive this idea of this lowering the bar piece is, right, when it even comes up in this conversation.
0: Bro, oh, so not, Reef wasn't I was gonna say that. that. Hold on, Reef wasn't, that. Where I was Wait, Reef was wasn't gonna say that.
1: Technical point, so- real quick. Technical point. I think I think I might know where the echoes come from. Dr. Simmons, are you do you have headphones on? Yeah. Okay. I'm just making sure everybody got headphones on. It might be somebody's uh computer might be playing some sound or whatnot, because Reef said he was listening to echo. Uh, I'll edit that part out, but y'all y'all keep going.
3: Well, on this point, this last point, I just want to say, um when when white teachers and their associations want to lower the bar they point to people of color as a sympathetic point to be able to do it. So they will come to the state and state legislators and say, we need to lower the bar because it's discriminatory against people of color. When in fact, they want to do it for themselves. Because we've, we've had a bill polished off for damn near a decade. And it, it finally took a turn when, it, when they started talking about the number of teachers of color that were failing the tests, right so i don't even think it's of our own doing that that we have to have this conversation about lowering the bar i think it shows up when people want to do it and they use people of color as kind of like the trojan horses to make it
4: happen no you're right you're right i think that that my piece is you know and it sounds like you're speaking from experience right is that then there needs to be folk like us who point those things out, right? So we've seen that happen, um, you know, in our school district around um, policies that impact children in terms of eligibility for sports, right, and, and how uh, that that banner is carried forth for um, eligibility and saying, you know, who can play and who can't play, and then saying, here's the sympathetic angle to it. But I think that it behooves us um, to have this conversation and have people in places who can interject when those conversations come up.
5: I mean, Charles, to to your point, right, um, and what, what I hear um, Doc asking is this idea of like, okay, if a group of Black folks in, I don't know, whatever city ask about, raise this question that Dr. Cole has mentioned, right? Part of my response is, okay, I, I hear you, but then it's our responsibility as folks who care about education and our kids to provide a new generation of black educators who are going to provide our kids a different experience while you have folks who are going to work on the other end to help fix parts of the system that teachers operate in that are, that's dysfunctional. Right, And so that's where, for me, I think about the work that Ramon is doing, that Sharif is doing, um, that other folks are doing, that we're doing at Urban Teachers. Teachers. It's about working through the pipeline from high school into the teacher training programs, into the... uh, classroom where we're building up a new generation of folks lead uh, uh, the work uh, in front of our kids, fully acknowledging, like, yes, there's a uh, Mr. Jackson in uh, every every uh, building. Um, there's a uh, is it Miss Grace? Uh, Chris is that her name? Yeah, just call it Grace. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> call it Grace at, at this you. point. I got to do no Miss. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, but the point of the matter is that I, I, I don't, man, Chris, we're going to have to find this lady. So it's like, it's educational
3: trauma is what it is. <laughs> I can think it but, oh. but,
5: but Dr. Cole, well, I I think the messaging yeah. is, what are we doing? And the answer is providing a new generation that's going to be trained in a way that's in alignment with the values, norms, and mores of the community. So, for example, how are these people going to understand the larger history of Baltimore if you're an urban teacher? How are you going to understand the larger history of D.C. or Dallas in, in terms of the complexity and the nuances of how education intersects with gentrification and so on and so forth? That's the message that I would carry forward to them, but also <laughs> I think taking responsibility for the fact that. Um, There are some black teachers who've contributed to uh, both the failure and mistreatment, and to Chris's point, the trauma that many students experience in schools, but it's also not exclusive to black teachers. Mm -mm. I could tell you that too. Want me to name some others? Uh, (laughs) You
3: want some white teachers? (laughs) (laughs) Name Hmm? I I think it's also important,
2: just a practical, practical, like as we're addressing this it's you know, just it's important to look at, at it comprehensively. So when we talk about test one, I don't believe that we should just scrap tests. You're, you're going to teach my child math. I want to, to see something that, you know, math. Right. And I'm not saying that you have to have the, you know, Ph.D. level. But I need you to be not a chapter ahead of my kid. kid. Right. And so I I do think that that's important. I think you have to look at what's pre-service, what's in service. So so for audience, like how much math should you know coming in? And then what does the professional development and professional learning look like in the school, in a comprehensive way in that district, in the math content, you know, how are you approaching that um, pedagogically? The other thing I want to just look at, like, you know, we have to have that's why I'm, I'm always we're all talking this, but like collective accountability. There are college professors who have students who are education majors and they're not teaching math that would help them pass the praxis.
5: Mm-hmm. They're teaching Bro, math there are college, college teachers who are training teachers who are never teachers.
2: Exactly. Yes. So but you have some who are like, well, I want to teach math just because it feels good when I teach it. I like it. I've not looked at the state standards. I don't know what's on the praxis. I don't care what's on the praxis. I'm getting a paycheck. I'm tenured and I'm just going to teach whatever the heck I want to teach, regardless if it sets you up for
3: failure or not on the praxis. hmm. Nobody talks about that level of accountability. We've been talking about school reform for years, and it's mostly been K twelve, correct? But higher ed, boy, they do, they higher do ed it. Ed gets though. off the hook constantly. Gets off the hook, and the worst part of higher ed, the ghetto of higher ed, is the education schools. They are like the armpit of higher ed, and they get away with murder. They they actually turn out people year after year after year who have to be trained on the job. And Chris, tell oh, me why you think that afterwards. is. Let me let me ju- let me
0: jump in here real quick. Higher uh, Ed folks, you, you, you got a you got a friend in <laughs> me. You
3: got a friend in me, which ain't no friend at all. Higher oh, <laughs> Ed, I'm telling you right,
1: right now, you don't that's want that
3: friend. Bar, that's where the bar is. <laughs> you don't want that friend. That's the friend with no money. That's the friend, <laughs> the friend that with, won't even uh,
1: give you gas uh, money. So what with, got, uh, no, I just want y'all to get because somebody, I think it was asking you a question. I wanted to
5: make sure we didn't lose that. I was just asking, uh, Chris, what, I mean, and I, I put on Twitter, I appreciated your critique of, of higher ed, right, in a previous uh, episode. But but my question is, what would you have uh, higher ed, schools of ed do differently, one? Two, why do you think there's a lack of accountability? Because folks in higher ed are very quick to blame K-12 for all sorts of issues, but never like... Like, you know, I mean, there are faculty that I have Mm -hmm. talked to personally Mm -hmm. in a biology course as a freshman, and they pride themselves on the percentage of students, not that pass, but that fail the class. Right. And if you're in K-12 and you had that mentality, I'm sure if you were working in any of our schools, if they were working for any of us, you would lose your job. So I'll just kick it to Chris because I'm interested in your uh, perspective and feedback on that.
3: Well, I'm not an expert, but this is like the way listen, I feel like those schools are money makers. I feel like that the door to get into engineering is a small door. Mm-hmm. The door to getting into something complicated, complicated and complex are small doors. The door that's to get into true, teaching, okay, the door the, the 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 door to get into college of ed programs is much wider than some of them. And I think they're moneymakers for universities. And, and if we're being serious, like this is going to sound mean as hell, but I'm going to say it because I actually think that the, the facts will bear it out. Um, ed schools are not drawing from the top of the cognitive pool. In college, oh, Lord. they are not drawing from the top. In, uh, I was waiting yeah,
5: yeah. for the hot take. I knew <laughs> a
3: hot take was coming.
5: Ramon, that's a hot take, right? Chris. That's extreme. It's true, though. It is extreme. <laughs> I'm I'm just have a, you surprised so, that Chris so would say something order, like that?
0: Come on. In order, in order, read for, that you to, in order for you to get into urban teachers, you got to have a 3.0. In order for you to get into a TFA, you got to have a 3.0. In order for you to get into an engineering program, you got to have a
1: 3.0. What are you talking about? I mean, just I, a whole I, bunch of I, non. I think, I think those are not ed schools, bro. Bro, I, I do like that we're having a debate now. Go ahead, Ray. I, 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 I was about to say okay. something.
0: so. So, so in, to, in order to get into a school, you have to have a 2.5 college, GPA. Man. and you talking about ed, ed school in, in, or college and undergrad? Right after you, after you finish your um your core courses, you have to have a 2.5. In some universities, probably the more prestigious universities, you might have to have a 2.7 wow. Right. But that's not that you can't get into those programs with a 2.0 and you probably can't graduate with a 2.0 in those programs. So right now you're pushing fallacies, bro. No, 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 no. you're, a burn, you're
3: Bernie Braun right now, bro. Don't go there. Well, no, no, don't do that. Wow, right? <laughs> Bernie wow. needs a perm. But but, but listen, listen, let's just stick with this for a second because it's a good debate to have. First of all, look at the national. Uh, look um, at the SAT average is what he's,
2: he's talking about as well. Yeah,
3: and also in the first five years, the teachers with the highest SATs are the ones that leave first. Let's just. Yeah, because they're smart. So, yes, that don't make yes. them dumb. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying they're dumb. I didn't say dumb. I said the collegiate cognitive pool is skewed towards the ones with the higher ends are going into things like engineering, med school, um, even attorneys. Uh, uh, And and listen, like in California and Illinois, the pass rate for the bar is like 40%. (laughs) The majority of people don't pass and get inducted and go through, right? If we applied that to teaching, the resulting pool would be like what they have in Finland, right? Everybody wants to talk about Finland. Nobody talks about the fact that Finland shut down its ed schools because they were crap and rebuilt
4: them from scratch. Smaller number of them and highly yeah, but, regulated. But Finland don't got to deal with the same things we got to deal with here. It,
3: no, but, it, no, 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 no. But, but, but they but made but a to remarkable
4: point, change, point. though, by it it increasing has, the to quality. Chris,
0: to Chris's point, the quality in Finland, it is more difficult for you to... Getting into it's more difficult for you to be a Finland teacher than it's for you to get into Harvard. So you got a better chance of getting, into, getting into Harvard you know, than you do in teaching in Finland. Uh, so yeah. and,
1: and and I, and just and, and and I appreciate what Ramon was just saying too. But even I hear you, Chris, because the only reason Chris brings up Finland is because everybody else brings up Finland. It's that's like that's right. if yeah, you want to bring it up, other
2: than that, <laughs>
1: you know what I'm saying. So, I, but here's the question that I have for you know for Sharif, uh, Ramon, and Dr. Simmons as well. Um, do you all ever look at like the nursing industry and how it revitalized itself? Right. So I'm in healthcare. I've been in healthcare for a while. There was a nursing shortage in like the nineties, a crazy one. They were trying to get more nurses, more black nurses and all this. And then they did like a huge revamp. And now most of those schools are like impacted, right? Like, that's just I, like, are we looking in you all's work? Are you looking at other industries? Uh, where we are trying to get more people of color, more people in the profession, um, are, are we are we taking lessons
5: from those other markets? I look at um, the stem field and what folks have done in in tech in terms of incentives uh for folks so for example one of the things that um i have found is that um i haven't looked at nursing that's a good uh, point i need to spend some time i want to do that but uh the tech space i have and, like the, the different perks and benefits um, housing, um connecting folks uh with professional development opportunities that are site-based and place-based not just jumping I don't know, like going to a conference and someone pours Now, Not that that's unimportant. It's just that I think that teachers uh, yearn for an opportunity to experience another context as a part of their professional development. Um, and a lot of that I, I, I get out of talking, talking to folks to in uh, the tech space. Um, and I do think that there isn't enough um, looking at other industries in education um, and it may be different uh, in, in other cities. I just know that it hasn't always been at the top of my mind um, to actually do. Uh, and so I think that it's important to push that uh, particular uh, part of the conversation. So if I'd be interested in hearing, yeah. Go ahead. I just Before I go to them, I just want to follow up on what you had just said. Cause here, here's
1: just some of the things because I go from a schoolhouse into a hospital, right? Mm-hmm. And one, and here are the things that I see us doing in a hospital with our doctors and our our residents and our nurses, right? We do rounds. They do a mm-hmm. ton of rounds. Um, they tend to, when they do have like a a, 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 a group, um, they try to keep them together. So they try to do a, like a cluster like you all were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also once you get like there's always another fellowship that you kind of have to like go and do right to kind of mm-hmm. continue your learning. And mm-hmm. they have this shared accountability model, which is, is I mean, is, is dope and it's tough and it's hard. But when you make a mistake, you have to go in front of your peers and you have to walk through every single thing that happened, right? And your peers mm-hmm. get to critique you. Like some of these things might not be commutable over the education, but a lot of them could be right. Like, yeah, I, mean, is, I, mean, you know. I think that's
5: that's commutable over the education. That's I mean, I remember working for Kaya and on um, DCPS and we would have school staff, which was essentially what you were talking about, where people would have a data set about whatever it was. Um, and it was intense questioning. It wasn't like this like crazy space, I didn't think. Uh, but there was intense questioning about uh, process and practice uh, both from the school level to the central office level. Um, And I think that is, now that Chris does not happen in uh, higher education, right? Like I think there's there, that does not um, happen. Uh, So I do think that there's that at urban teachers, uh, because we have a residency model um, there is this uh, similar approach to uh, a medical model that you're describing, but it's also because we have a four-year program, right? And so it's tough. It's intense because our residents in year one, especially, they're they're in a classroom a full day. Then they actually uh, take their uh, problem of practice from that into uh, their graduate studies in the evening. So it's, it's full... 12, 13, 14 hour days as a resident. And so I think that there's an opportunity for folks to do that um, in our model. I'm not sure what other models are, but many residency programs, Boston teacher residency and others have a similar uh, model. And I, I, I have found that the residency models that exist um, you know, are are much more likely to produce uh, greater outcomes, not just for teachers, but for kids, because the teachers uh, come out um, more competent, but also they come out more confident, right? And so I I think there's a lot of uh, research around teachers who just get thrown uh, into the deep end because there's a teacher shortage or whatever, and many of them don't have the confidence that they need um, to uh, be successful. So... Yeah. And that same thing at the classroom level, uh, Cole, happens. You
2: know, I, I wish more schools did it. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've had teachers who participate in lesson plan polishing and this idea of elevating the profession from within and holding this collective accountability. I agree. And you see more universities also using the residency model because they're seeing like it's working and them having that, you know, that feedback that master teacher that master level teacher right there with them in in um in combination that it has impact right mm-hmm. at one point medical they were medical residencies right like they moved to that because they saw like hey you know what was operating on people without some kind of uh, supervised practices is uh, is not a good thing
1: and i've seen around at, at our district but it wasn't it it wasn't it's, it it mm-hmm. definitely wasn't on par it wasn't the same
4: mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. thing. yeah and what i say is that Where we found a lot of inspiration um, has also been in the tech sector, particularly around the retention elements uh, in creating affinity spaces for educators of color. Right. So some of our educators of color might be one of two in their building. Right. So we've created district wide affinity spaces for those educators funded by the school district. so that folk can can chop it up and and build as well as on the front end right on the recruitment end of things uh interrogating bias in your interview questions in your uh job descriptions in the ways in which you greet people who come into your building um even down to to resume screens right and and being able to to think about um, what biases are being triggered Uh, perhaps uh, when you see someone's home address last name uh, undergraduate institution, you know, uh, a lot of the issues that we face up here have to do with, you know, did you go to Harvard? Did you go to Yale? Did you go to Princeton? Right. Um, and throwing a lot of shade to our public institutions. Um, so, so really trying to disrupt that uh, is something that we're really investing in. Yeah. Well, I appreciate,
2: um, appreciate y'all, brothers coming on. I would love to, um, you know, wrap up with your final thoughts. What are your, you know, just your. What would you say to districts or current and aspiring educators?
1: You got to direct the people, brother. Who you want to talk,
4: Sharif? ho, Sharif. Either, either one. Either one. I'm talking to our guests. Yeah. So I'll jump in and I'll keep it short. Uh, I think that if if you uh, are not uh, doing anti racist work in your schools. Um, then you're not doing the right work.
2: Appreciate that. Doc? Dr. Simmons, you're on mute.
5: Oh, sorry. No um, worries. Our, our, my position on this is that uh, this is a generational work, right? This is about the liberation of uh, people, not just uh, physically, but um, kind of the uh, emotional liberation Of of black folks. And I think if you get into teaching and you aren't willing to uh, do that type of work, then you need to go do uh, something else because um, you literally are carrying the hopes and dreams of uh, communities with you every day in the classroom and kids show up. As children, they've experienced uh, things that um, are different, but they show up as children every day. They deserve to be loved and uh, respected. Um, And the last thing I'll say is that um, I would encourage folks before they decide they want to be a teacher to give uh, an opportunity to come and see what happens in a classroom. So that you don't bring a savior complex into classrooms that you're going to fix uh uh children um but that you're coming into classrooms to be equal parts uh teacher but also a learner uh from uh those kids so ray bro you know anything about
0: this show you know i go last that's Move exactly that's why i call that's exactly that. why i called you down <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's, a,
0: that's a little freak, Nick Respect.
1: Respect the host, Ray G. So,
0: so, 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 so yeah, so, so yeah, that's that's what my final thought is gonna be. My final thought is gonna be on the host. So first, first and foremost, shout out to reef for being the executive producer of this show. And so if it comes out trash, you know, reef did it. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly. I don't like how you introduce these 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 folks, but these these two gentlemen are scholars and saints, and you should have introduced them as such. It should have been some background information. Uh, big homie at the bottom from the from Yonkers went to Brandeis, and you need to put some respect on Brandeis. Uh, but you didn't know any of that, Reef, because you didn't do the necessary research in order to make sure that you were putting together a solid piece to present these gents. And I'm disappointed in you, Reef. <laughs> And you need so to be sanctioned. You. you need to be sanctioned from social media because I saw that picture of your feet.
2: <laughs> Yo, what does that have to do with anything? First of all, Doc and I go way back. Ramon and I go way back. And so we were trying to jump right into the piece, but I'm not even going to, uh, you know, jump into that with you. Uh, Stewart, Citizen Stewart, what are your final thoughts?
3: I might even edit that all of that out.
0: (coughs) Chris, you're muted
3: still, brother. Um, For our Uh, listeners, that was the (laughs) anti-blackness, and everybody hates Raymond. So I just want (laughs) to say that. Um, Listen, I, I think the work that you two are doing is like God's work because it's tough, it's uphill. There is no easy answer to what you're doing, but it's absolutely necessary and it's liberatory. This podcast and everything we do is about the 8 million black children that are walking into public schools every day, schools that aren't ready for them, schools that were not built for them, putting in our our kids in the hands of people that aren't actually fully ready for them. So anybody who's trying to fight that and knowing that they're fighting uphill, (laughs) because it's it's not going to be easy. There's not a whole bunch of black teachers just coming, um, deserves all our respect. You know, that you two like go to sleep every night thinking about how we fix this to me is like that. This is where my heart is. You know, I'm wishing that there's more people like you because it's the technical work. We could get um, we could get awfully nihilistic. Nothing's ever going to work. You know, this this is, you know, blah, blah, blah. but there's people like you who are actually on the technical part of things, trying to make things change, like and trying to find out a solution. So God bless you for that. Now, that said, I want to remind everybody that there are eight million black children and, oh, by the way, 13 million Latino children walking into public schools every day that aren't ready for them and built by them. And that isn't a throwaway or tossaway line that is a catastrophe waiting to happen. That is like the end of race, right? Like for a lot of people. So, uh, you know, I hope a lot more people switch lanes and become teachers. I hope a lot more people take their fancy degrees, their fancy book learning, all that stuff that they did and their little Mercedes like Charles got and all that stuff. You know, I hope they take all that and cash it in and become teachers. What you right? you Don't be
1: talking right. about podcasting. Right. Why you are you
3: always taking right? shots? Right. Yo, right? I'm, just saying, I'm just saying, if you got a Mercedes, you might want to <laughs> and go teach the kids for a while. All right. Thank you to our guests. I appreciate appreciate y'all.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'll just, uh, you know what? I think teaching is uh, super complicated. It's, uh, it is divine work. I think we need our best, our brightest, just as you all said, our most anti-racist folks to to join the profession. If you had a great teacher and teachers um, like I did, I had tons of great black teachers in elementary school, great coach and mentors uh, once I became a teacher and so playing, paying that forward. I, and I think one of the things that I hear a lot of people talking about was they're trying to recruit teachers. They keep talking about the role modeling effect, which is important. I don't, I don't want to discount that, but I, I think I don't want people to lose sight of the overall impact of having a more diverse field It's it also impacts the political Atmosphere. It impacts the ecosystem. It impacts the policies. It, it, all the things that we complain about can, some of this can be thwarted if we have the right-minded educators in our schools, in our districts. And so it's not just a role model for the child. It also can be vanguards, you know, against the system from within. And so that's, that's another reason. So it's not just the role modeling, it's the other impact. Cause if, if Pennsylvania, Minnesota, other places, if 96% of the teachers are white, that means 96% plus of the influence is also from one particular cultural, uh, um, and historic background. And I think that is uh, a huge part of, of, of this piece. Uh, Dr.
1: Cole. Uh, yeah, man. One, I just wanted to thank our guests, uh, I really do appreciate um, everything that you all are doing and you as well, Reef, around this work. It's tough work. I've been in this work and, you know, I actually agree with everything that you all said and that you were doing. And I think that that but part of that pushback was just what I faced in that work and and Mm -hmm. where it was kind of coming from. It was a little bit of friendly fire on our side because everybody in public will agree and not their heads when we say this stuff but then the people with power and the people behind the scenes that can like actually stop and thwart, have very different conversations. And I wanted us to provide enough noise on the topic that actually gives people, uh, things to push back on, uh, below the surface. I learned a lot. I think that, um, some of the big takeaways that I think that we, that from this episode, just from listening to folks and just from what I seen, it's going to be very difficult to get some more folks in there. I think people talk about professionalizing, uh, the the, the career a bit more. But I do think what Chris said is really, really important. If you want people to pay more and to feel more professional and to be treated at a different level of respect with it, right? There are some things that kind of have to happen and we have to have those conversations. So it might not be that test. That test might not be the answer. But if you are teaching my child, I do want the same assurances as if the person that I'm sending my kid for the dentist to the doctor that's, that's looking over my child and things of that nature. And I think it's a give and take, right? I think sometimes we want, um, sometimes we want things to kind of go both ways, but I really do appreciate this conversation and we hope, I hope that we can get you brothers back on in the future. And uh, thanks for dealing with our craziness and our silliness, man. And uh, Reef, I know this is a, it's the job is tougher than it looks brother. So, uh, so congrats on on your show and uh, you want to take us home? Yeah, just also, you know,
2: second everything that that you all said. I appreciate our guests coming on. Uh, For those listeners, um, I just want you to know that I did send Raymond Angram research. (laughs) He choose to read it for his own edification or not, but it was sent. And so I just want to you thank send, You sent me, me a wiki page you Send me a wikipedia <laughs> that, was, that was not it
0: that if is, I don't let this true. show
1: close out This has <laughs> been, <this laughs> been, <the, this laughs> been the 8 Black White Hands
2: White. Thank you all so much um, Appreciate it Become the teacher you wish you had and knew you needed Peace
0: You have been listening to the 8 Black Hands Podcast With Ankrum Cole el Meki and stewart if you like what you heard follow us on twitter our handle is at 8 hands one thank you for listening